Welcome to Talking About Midlife, where we talk about life living in a female body in our midlife. We talk about health, love, relationships, our inner world, aging, death, motherhood, and what it means to be a human at this time in the world. I am Kelly Sterling, and I hope you enjoy listening to these stories that I'm sharing. Hi everyone, thank you for listening today. We have a fantastic topic. We are talking about the three golden opportunities with Nicole Pauly and Nicole has spoken with me before. She's a doctor of Chinese medicine, well traditional Chinese medicine and she's uh, very good at what she does. I know because I've had acupuncture from her and we were we met up in December just for a catch-up And we were talking about different topics and we started talking about the three golden opportunities and we're like, yeah, let's do a podcast about that next year. And it's taken us seven months to get organised, but here we are. So thank you, Nicole. Hello. (laughs) Seven months and a virus, that's right. (laughs) That old virus gets in the way sometimes, doesn't it? A little bit, a little bit. So thank you for being here today. I'm I'm really looking forward to this conversation because we're not going to hold back when we talk about what we think. And um, Nicole, just because some people might not have heard your podcast from last year, do you want to just introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about you, what you do and how you came to be a Chinese doctor? It's a long history, but I have been a doctor of Chinese medicine for... 15 years now Um, it's another stage of life for me and uh, previous to that I worked in a very corporate environment um, and Chinese medicine came to me like a light bulb so it's a way of living it's a thought process it's something that is very inherent a very big belief system and it's very much throughout my own family as well they don't actually have any choice but to be part of Chinese medicine Um, so I see it in all things what that flips over into is also with birthing I am a uh, childbirth specialist um, so I teach um, childbirth uh, skills um, to couples which has been a big love of mine particularly since having children and really sort of seeing how powerful the human body is and even the mind so those two kind of working with each other and um, you know they meld together um, and you know, I think what this has all accumulated into is being very conscious of um, of women, of females, and uh, stories we're taught, how we live our lives, how we think we're supposed to be. Um, I have got three girls, and so my plan for them is huge. They don't actually know this, but <laughs> um, I would love them to go into this world with a wealth of knowledge, of personal knowledge, of life knowledge, so that they can be awesome adults. Mm. And I know that that starts with me, and I'm a big believer that as parents, we've got such a massive responsibility to send our kids off into the world. And this is where I come from. I'm here to give those girls huge amounts of power. In saying that, I also have a son as well. And he's part of that scenario too, a massive part, much like you, Kelly, you've got two boys Mm. and you know the significance of them understanding uh, where women stand. And so 
that's also my job as well. And so far, he's doing pretty okay. He does impressive things and things where I think, you know, he's a very quiet, laid-back kid and I think, are you taking this in? And then stuff comes out like, oh, yeah, you took that in. So mm. my job, my job is is on its way and it's to push these kids out there to wake people up, I guess. That's probably more it. Love it. <laughs> so let's just get into it. So I, when I came across the three golden opportunities concept, it was a couple of years ago and I was reading an article out of the Journal of Chinese Medicine. Oh, so exciting, that journal. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just came across it. You know, oh, I, I, I find a topic I like and I go down a rabbit hole and off I go. That's a rabbit hole it. itself, Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so by Leah Andrews, the article is, and it was really, really interesting. And I sort of, it's just sort of sat in the back of my mind for a long time. And, you know, we have these rites of passage and I always think um, women are so lucky in so many respects because our hormones facilitate our rites of passage through life to to a large extent and men don't actually have that. And so in a way we need to listen to our bodies and just go with it through our conditioning and the very masculine lens of culture that we live within what struck me is that so many people have stopped listening to their bodies and this is a question that is always in my mind like why how does this happen and I think that's why I got into embodiment work and I mean, I fell into it naturally 20 years ago. I didn't really know what I was doing. But uh, it has helped me so much with my own health and my own intuition and trust in myself. And so part of my focus in my work is helping people come back to who they are, the essence of who they are, and kind of stripping it all out. And a large part of that is, is mental, emotional, sort of psychological, but a lot of it's physical as well and learning to listen and trust so why don't you tell us about the three golden opportunities and what they are and just with that TCM lens on. I'm quite fascinated you read this in the Journal of Chinese Medicine <laughs> um, because it would have been very chinese to read. And, you know, this is not a new concept. It's been around for such a long time because Chinese medicine is about observation. Mm-hmm. And this is based on life gateways and they're gateways or Uh, periods in life where there's a change a rapid change Mm -hmm. uh, usually and there's a physiological reaction and these three periods are usually around when um, a girl has her first period so menarche postpartum so after having children and um, the third gateway is is menopause and these are stages that are you know I guess we can look at them as sheer curtains in a way that we simply move through them mm-hmm. sometimes they can be brick walls where people bang up against them and I think nowadays because like you're saying we don't take that time to be conscious of self they become that brick wall and they don't seem to be easy so these stages are set up so that you can move through um, through the next stage so from uh, first period to postpartum to menopause they're all allowing you to live life that is not so challenging mm. uh, this is it's all got a very big base in um, uh, chi 
blood, jing, yin and yang. That's, mm. that's the concept of Chinese medicine. And I think jing is probably, or essence as it could be translated as, is probably the most um, easiest to understand in that it, this is our vitality. This is what we're made up yeah. of. It creates the quality and quantity of our life. Um, I like to give the analogy that jing is like your bank account or uh, superannuation. And if you go hard and fast and you spend all that jing, then you've got nothing left for later. Mm. So this is a very precious treasure, I guess you can call it. And it influences our health from a hormone and a reproductive point of view. So in order to enhance life, we need to have great hormones. We need to have a reproduction that is uh, functioning fully and well. And that means we need to have good jing. And um, jing is there to help you move through these transitions. And if you've got a good amount of it and you look after it, then you've got vitality. If you mm. tend to just, you know, run chaotically, then life will be hectic. And mm. that's probably what I see a lot of and what you would see a lot of. Women are hectic um, because they they're hectic. training their jing. Yeah. yeah. Well, and one thing that I've been taught from the Tao's Tantra position is, you know, we only have so much life force energy, mm-hmm. the jing. Yeah, you have to learn to nourish yourself because we have to replenish it, and that's why all the pleasure practices are so wonderful because they are nourishing. And there's so many different ways you can do it when it comes to sensuality and sexuality as those two levers. But it's not something that we've been taught in our popular culture. It's quite repressed, don't you think? It's a bit the same as talking about a period or understanding a cycle, it's it's squashed down because I know why why do we need to have those things talked about? If they don't happen to men, perhaps why do we need for women to talk about it? We don't, yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing that um that I haven't really talked about with a lot of people, but it's sort of been in the back of my mind, also from the Dow's perspective, is that, you know, one of the great things about perimenopause is it's, I don't know, if, I'm, I'm probably going to be a little bit clumsy how I phrase this, but it's almost like life saving in a way. So, you know, you can't keep producing babies forever mm. as you get older. Okay. And so the whole stage of perimenopause from a Taoist perspective is, okay, we're going to shut that down so that you can keep on living a really healthy, wonderful next stage of life. Filling life, yeah, absolutely, and next stage of life. And I think yeah. that's probably the key, that we have these moments of or these gateways are telling you that's your time to be a kid, to have vitality, to find yourself, to recognise who you are. Then yeah. we've got the mothering, the childbearing, um, however that comes about, there's that stage. And then you've got that stage of it's all about you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We get that part. We get stuck in maybe that middle year. And perhaps even if those early years of that first gateway aren't uh, moved through nicely, then maybe we get stuck there and never move forward. Yes, absolutely. I see that from a developmental psychology perspective. Oh, where a lot of people yeah, yeah. get stuck in their adolescent, which is very black and white sort of thinking. Of course it is. Yeah. 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 And You know, the other thing when I've coached a lot of women uh, in motherhood, particularly when they're on their way back to work and they're finding it really challenging integrating back into work because they are really different, right? You you have birthed a whole new identity. And I've heard them say so many times, I just want to go back to my old self. And I'm like, well, she's gone. 
right? She's not coming back because you, you've expanded so much. You've created, you've shifted, but you have like this whole expanded worldview now and you, you're different yeah. and you're, you've got more breadth in your life. And actually, you know, one of the gifts of having a baby, I think, is, you know, learning to attune to a child. And where I see that in the workplace be so beneficial is people who are exceptionally achievement focused and perhaps yeah. relating's not been their strength. They all, all seem to suddenly just be able to connect and relate to people in a whole different way. And I'm like, of course, because you've just been through this with a young baby who needs you to be attuned all the time and you've just sharpened those skills amazingly yeah. and it's really noticed for them. So there's so many, at each of these gateways, there's so many strengths and I think because there's so much shame around women's bodily functions, um, you know, we hide it all the time. We hide our, like we hide our periods. We hide anything to do in postpartum. Like if our life is not like a Huggies ad, basically, you know, women feeling immense guilt for not liking being a new mum, for getting pissed off with their partners, thinking, well, you know, I shouldn't be feeling this way about them. All the all the, the the guilt that you go through as a mother, because the cultural narrative doesn't even cover that, let alone any books around birth or there's. I mean, the whole concept of matrescence is kind of only been around for the last twenty or thirty years, which is absolutely obscene when you think about how how long women have been mothers, like forever. Yeah. So the, the the transition and so the support, you know, women receive support with children around the child. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe that quick check at six weeks around, oh, yeah, you, you okay? You know, let's do the old tick the boxing, you know, how your mental health issues. When yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, Go away. And um, and they're just silently struggling. And then when it comes to the whole perimenopause, menopause transition, like, good Lord, there's just silence around that. And Dirty word, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I wonder, you know, there is that labelling of um, superwoman. Mm. Yeah. I hear that a lot. I actually hate that label. I, I used to get that a lot for the fact of my family life and what I do as a job. And I don't see myself as any other person, anything different. We all get up in the morning with some crying because someone can't find a shoe. Um, it's no different from any other space, but there's this desire to be seen as superwoman. I have no desire for that, but it seems to be a badge of honour. And the better multitasker you are, it's it's a it's something to live up to. And I'm not quite sure why we need to have that, particularly when we're trying to move through these different stages. Um, and I think maybe we haven't quite figured out what these stages are and what they mean to us. And that's the biggest letdown, isn't it? That mm. there is none of that information. And it's not as if it's hidden. It's just maybe it's not, it's not noticed anymore. We've moved into a different space. Yeah, it's really strange. Huh. Let's talk about, so, so the thing with the three golden opportunities, which I find super interesting is, what's the right way to describe this it's kind of like an inflection point in a way where it's like 
you need to really look after yourself in this stage because you could do great harm to your health. So there's a sort of that inflection point where it's like asking us to slow down and find some balance and there's a lot of hormonal change going on during each of those three stages. So what is what about it makes it risky in terms of if we don't listen to our bodies? I you know what's it, what's it asking of us, I guess, each inflection point? I think it's asking to stop and just listen. Mm. Um, it's probably the one of the biggest things of talking to women day in, day out, um, about they're not hearing the things their body is saying. And I believe that we run in such a very high yang way. Mm. You know, we have, we're based on yin and yang and yang, there's, everything is yang. It, it jobs are yang, whether it's, mm. I know my job is very yang. My day is constant and everybody, a student's day is yang from a, a beauty therapist to a florist. It's all yang, very mental, physical, emotional work. And we haven't quite learnt to be yin. And so what would yin look like on a practical level? Yeah, yin. Well, yin for me, my day at work, it could be I, um, so if I worked an afternoon, I'd finish later in the evening. I love to come home and I actually don't want to talk because I've talked all day. I do like to get words out, but I don't want to talk in a manner that is um, anything where I need to think too much. It's a simple meal. It is a sit down. It is probably a shower is somewhere in between that space to clear, but it's a very quiet mode and quiet that in, I don't even need the TV on. I don't need sound. Mm. It's, it's being very simplistic. If it was somewhere during the day, there would have to be a walk somewhere where I'm in amongst trees. Mm. That's very um, rejuvenating, I'd have to say. There's, it's an energetic process for me, but it's being in quiet spaces. That's yin. That's yeah. not, I'm not into screens. I'm not into watching uh, TV. I'm not even into um, exercise that is, um, what's the word? There's no chance I'm ever going to run a marathon, Kelly, ever. Yeah. <laughs> it's way too yang. And for me, I believe that we have to counterbalance your yang day for your yin. So yeah. it is about slowing down. It's being within. It's being mindful. It's taking note. It's listening. That's what it is. Mm. And we are so yang and uh, in our lifestyle. And females, they, they're, they're encompassing yin in themselves. But here we are trying to run the opposite. Mm. So I believe that it's it's all about taking note and uh you know if we're struggling to be stable and life becomes quite vulnerable then we're going to damage ourselves health gets damaged gym gets used up you know it, it doesn't it there's no ability to support self and that comes with all the phases you know particularly if we looked at if we looked at a period that essence of um you know um, that monthly bleed, Jing has to be utilised in that and it takes energy for all of that um, to happen. Hormones are moving, people are, you know, they're in different spaces. So Jing is, is allocated to that. In, in, in um, reference to that, 
you know, men definitely have jing, <laughs> much mm-hmm. the same as women do. Sperm could be that reflection of jing. So mm-hmm. they also need to be careful of that. And, yeah. you know, that's significant. When we move through things such as uh, pregnancy, birth, and then moving into postpartum, there's a mass amount of energy in that. Mm. I mean, to only grow and produce a human, then you actually, then uh, they sustain life from you. Yeah, it's incredible. It's, it's In fact, the, I mean, the uterus is a yang organ actually absolutely yes yeah yeah and its ability to do what it does shows that it is a yang organ yeah Yeah. so from bleeding to healing to moving into menopause jing is constantly used up and if we don't cultivate it that's where we get unwell that's why we don't move through life easily yeah yeah and it's not within our culture I mean, productivity and achievement is what is valued. That's it, yeah, isn't it? It's how we're viewed in life. It means we're significant, we're important, it's purposeful. Um, it's it's a funny thing that we feel we need to be that when we're not naturally inclined to be that either. Yeah. It's not women. Yeah, I mean, if I reflect back to my teenage days, I mean, I was always busy, but we used to rest a lot. Because we didn't have screens in those How times. much sleep would you have had? I look at my so God, they love sleep. They really do. And, I, it. and uh, we used to hang around a lot, like it's, just swimming and doing nothing. and just hanging out. You weren't doing stuff. You were just hanging out. Yeah. yeah. And I, we weren't particularly overscheduled. And I feel like a lot of people, particularly teenagers, are overscheduled with activities. Absolutely. Or if they're not doing that, they're hanging out with each other but looking at a phone or yeah. Screen. Yeah. I find that fascinating. That that is so normal to my kids to do that with their friends. And I look at them and go, "How are you interacting here? Like, what is it that you're getting out of this? Is it? I know there's an energy exchange, but what is it? Because you all feel dull to me. So yeah. it's yeah. it's a normal and and it's so hard to minimize. It's so hard to change it. It's it's really about me. I believe you know, letting it happen and guiding it in a, in a good direction. But, yeah, I find it it's damaging to my health to watch them do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I say to my boys, like, I'm not into overscheduling because I need downtime big time because of the type of work like you, like it's draining. Yeah. And um, I say to them, you know, like, do you want to have some chill out time? And so now that they're sort of mid-teens, they're like, it's good. They say to me, oh, no, I just wouldn't mind some quiet time. Like yeah. they're both, I would say, a bit like me, introverted, but with really good social skills. Yes. So they sort of inherently oh. need that rest. Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, the father's the extrovert, the poor yes. one. The three of us are the same. We're all like, oh, no, we need to be quiet. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so and also how can we celebrate women's cycles and you know, the period week is the rest week. Like that's how you, you're losing Jing, but you need to recover it in the same breath, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a funny thing the way the cycle works and working in with the rhythms of the, of the cycle is, you know, that's a, that's a thing. Yeah. And, uh, again, if we're, if we're hating on a period, why would you want to follow a friggin' cycle? Um, but it does it does tell you the things that are happening with it. And, and that's, you know, that's cyclical living, isn't it? That's yeah. I love 
the idea that you can be so in touch with nature but still be part of an environment or a contemporary society but still have that. That's how I love things. I love things very simple and I like things done um, where there's not a lot of fuss. And so if my life can be moved around what my cycle is doing, to me I feel more at ease. To me it feels complete or it feels like I'm doing the right thing I'm moving with my own rhythm yeah yeah, and yeah much like you're saying it's nice to have that chill out time I know that I can also say to my kids we just need to just drop it or simply it would be me stopping and then you see them follow suit you know that energetic transaction is them then oh okay mum's sort of sitting back we might just do the same yeah yeah, no, I think that's really important. And just yeah, and celebrating periods and that they're a good thing. And, you know, it's okay in that autumn week when you are a bit grumpy and this is what it actually means, okay? Yeah. yeah. So just I, learning sorry. to live with that. I think, you know, talking to young kids about periods and what to expect, giving a, them a sense of empowerment and getting them to understand their bodies is so significant but it's we really fail in doing it yeah it's a constant conversation that I would have with parents about how it's taught in schools um how it's not taught in schools might be the better way of putting it um there's lots of different ways that young young girls can learn about periods um I've always been of the idea that if my kids know the right terminology and what periods are and what they're not then that's the information that they're going to pass on to yes. their friends because they do talk, don't they? And that yeah, absolutely as well. Um, but there's lots of different ways, and I think they become maybe it's up there with buying crystals that it's a bit airy fairy, yeah, to talk about periods and do period circles. One of my daughters has done a um, it's a celebrating girls' day, and it mm. was this awesome day with her friends. Um, they she would have been. 10 nearly 11 Mm. and it was talking about um their bodies it was talking about periods what to expect and having this open discussion with um the parents as well and about their experiences and being very realistic and making it a normal dialogue it's not a dialogue is it any to anyone except unless you've got someone that is open to talking about it so for for young teens, it needs to be a constant, constant talk. It needs to be done from a young young age. You know, I know I had a um, a client in the other day. She teaches sex ed, and she's doing it with year nines now. Mm. Is that a little bit late? Because I'm pretty sure. Very late. Sure if we took, if we looked at statistics and research, it shows that kids are becoming sexually active well before year nine. Yeah, absolutely. Why are we telling them that then? Yeah, it's a traditional model, I think, of when they're... Absolutely. This is a Catholic school, yeah, and that makes complete sense as to where that's coming from, but it doesn't help. It doesn't help at all, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, sexuality is so foundational to who we are as human beings. Yeah. And... It's just such a pity that there's so much shame around it. And so, you know, that big part of who we are doesn't get talked about. Mm. And 
there's so much shame around women's bodily functions. I wonder who started that rumour. I'd really love to know. Yes, I don't know. Maybe to be told off. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's really, God, it's such a pity. And, you know, when I did my last podcast with Jamie, we were talking about, Jamie Lauren, we were talking about cyclical living and I said to her, you know, like back in the old days, and she said, like, yeah, of course, like, you know, communities were built around women's cycles. So just through all my reading and research and, of course, you know, I look at it from lots of different perspectives because that's just the way my brain's been wired to work. You know, a lot of it is around capitalism and industrialization and ownership of women so that property is passed down and, you know, diminishing women in society. So a lot of it comes from that lens. And, of course, everything gets coupled and then kind of passed out through there. So you can blame it on uh, the Industrial Revolution, I think. Probably, if not a little bit before then. So in terms of practical things people could do, so apart from rest, so let's let's sort of talk at each stage. So we've talked a little bit about teenagers. What about postpartum and recovering postpartum? What are the things top of mind for you that people need to be thinking about with postpartum recovery? Just from like physical, emotional, psychological... You know, the thing I find with, with postpartum is that everyone's thought really well about the pregnancy part and then the birth part, but it's the after part that, that and the postpartum which it, it gets missed. And to me it's the most significant part because it is a gateway. Yeah. And uh, it's setting you up for what happens later in life. And um, we know and we, we say very often that, um, there's so many women that are already in a state of exhaustion even before they get to periods, uh, mm. sorry, to pregnancy, mm. let alone by the time they're at postpartum, um, they've had it. And we're in this rush continually to, to keep moving forward. But um, with postpartum, it's so very easy. It's really easy. It's really about resting. Well, isn't there a saying 42 days of rest or 40 days of rest for the next 40 years of your life or something yeah to make make up for yeah to get through 40 years of life you know it's it's um it's called the golden month it's that 40 days of rest is to be at home to rest to heal I mean you've pushed a human out of your body that seems to be quite an arduous task for most people yeah Mm. and in order to recover from that we've got to recoup cheap we've got to uh nourish blood in the body regenerate blood in the body in some instances and we've got to um cultivate gene here so in order to do that we can't kind of get up and go shopping the next week later with our small tiny newborn um who's a very vulnerable human being as much as yourself is so rest is it's of great need we need to rest to let the body heal Um, food Food needs to be appropriate. I can't tell you the amount of times I talk to mums who uh, find their babies are struggling and I'll ask them, what are you eating? And they'll go, oh, well, today I ate um, three chocolate shortbreads because I didn't have time and then um, I drank four coffees. I go, 
oh, your face then. <laughs> so that's not uncommon to hear that. We just wow. don't have time. So ideal foods, um, they need to be warm. They need to be nourishing. They need to be easy to digest. They are foods that you can pull out of your freezer or have someone deliver to you that you can uh, quickly consume or not even quickly consume, that you can eat that are going to give you energy, that yeah. provides the ability to heal, that nourishes the digestion in order to create chi uh, and blood to feed another human as well so it's rejuvenating they have to be ideal foods warm foods that's all chinese medicine will ever talk about eat something that's warm something that's going to be consumed that you don't have to worry about warming up internally because that's already done for you Mm. Um, massage i think is a big one or body work because of my type of work, I'm very big on let's start working on regenerating that chain blood. But things such as an actual massage can put the body back together. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can imagine a, a human coming out of you <laughs> means that your body is re- unaligned itself. Yeah, so we need to put it back into place. So I'm very big on massage. Besides Chinese medicine or acupuncture, um, certainly things such as um, osteopathy and Cairo are mm. their godsends. They're about realigning the body. They need to be a normal part of your life. It's not a luxury. It's a part of you being able to have your 40 years later. Yeah. Um, so massage is a great one. Social support, significant. I'm really um, hard on the idea that you can't come through that front door unless you plan on cleaning the toilet or changing the sheets or cooking me something. Yeah. I need you to do something because my job is to focus on this child. Yeah. Mm. With, I mean, my analogy would be with working from home with COVID. Mm. We've got one person that might be wholly focusing on getting their work done because they need to be on phone calls or on meetings. And you've got someone else who uh, is working uh, to make sure the kids are doing their home learning, et cetera, making meals. Um, In this instance, the job as a mum is to focus on that small child. Mm. So there is no need to be getting up and cleaning the house. Why? Why do we need to do that? We don't. Yeah. We need to have that social support. It's not always available, but certainly everyone's got a friend here and there that they can utilise. Yeah. And my biggest one is time. There is no rush. You've got a little bubber in front of you. You know, there's nothing nicer or more magical than the smell of a (laughs) newborn baby. And I think you need to take time to smell that. And I think that we are rushed constantly and rushed to get back to work, rushed to get better, rushed to show this baby off, rushed to do whatever. Why? For what purpose? Yeah, it's really interesting because, as you know, like I've worked with so many women who are concerned about their libido postpartum. Yeah. And, um, you know, like when will it come back? So it's often like, well, you know what? it takes so much energy to create a baby and you've got to have that rest time. But even when the gynecologist says, okay, you're good to go, your six-week checkup in terms of penetrative sex, your body may not be ready. Yeah. And if you've had a caesarean or an episiotomy or any other sort of surgical intervention. Don't come at me, mate. (laughs) Like you need to really, really, really go slowly. So energetically then, Kelly, I mean, that's you're giving your energy to someone else, aren't you, in that Yes. Why are you doing that, yeah? Yes. It's so important to connect, but there's so many different ways to connect, yeah? So many. You know, we can just lie belly to belly, just doing some breathing together. Your partner could give you a massage. 
you know, we can do some communication. You know, that doesn't sound very interesting, but they're the ones that I do are really fun. Um, so like, there's so many things that you can do that don't involve penetrative sex, but there's yeah. so much pressure on women to be feeling good, looking good, back into their old body. Like quickly, it's toxic and it's dangerous, I think. Yeah. Because it's making them bypass the signals their body's giving them. So you're sort of disconnecting and disassociating from these messages and your nervous system. Do you know, like your nervous system's going, I don't feel safe here. I don't feel really good but you're ignoring it and really what's that setting you up for? And then remember, you know, that energy is then going on to whoever else is in the room and and that includes baby. Why is that? That's not fair. Mm. Okay, so that's really good. Now we get to perimenopause transition, which is confusing for a lot of people just because we don't really talk about it. People don't know much about it. It's one of those things that our anti-aging culture doesn't really want us to know about and people poke their head in the sand I can't tell you how many people even in my neighborhood like talking to me about my work and they're like oh what do I need to know about perimenopause for I'm only 45 I'm like you're probably right in it you're in it lady you're in it so so what I mean to me this is a big because it's it's a transition that can take some years it doesn't just yes. happen overnight as becoming a teenager a it takes some years yep. okay yeah and so you and I've talked about this you know people talking to us and saying oh my god I've been told I'm perimenopausal like it's a death sentence and I'm <laughs> like awesome yeah. You know what? Like this is the best time. It's all about you going inward of yourself. It's like personal development journey for the next however long it takes, you know, understanding your body, going deep into your psyche, exploring yourself in every facet. For me, that's like how much fun could life be getting to do that all the time? (laughs) But, yeah, it's scary, isn't it? They're scared. Do you know, first thing, um, that word anti-aging, it's up there with superwoman. I despise it. Because of the industry I work in and because I I love cosmetic acupuncture Mm. and doing that with work is really Mm. intriguing and it brings up interesting dialogues with with people and the people that are coming in for cosmetic acupuncture are our perimenopausals and they're so desperate to anti-age where my explanation is but we are aging yeah and whatever's on your face it's telling me a story and that's the story that you're showing the world your so, emotional signature your body you, shows yeah. an emotional signature yeah. why are you trying to hide that those little crow's feet they tell me that you laugh a lot yeah so small things like that it's really interesting this anti-aging movement and perimenopause absolutely means that it means the end of life the end of fertility we're actually freaking old and we might as well be chucked out in the uh, trash heap um, and it's funny that dialogue comes about and the the dialogue of I've got perimenopause, it sounds like they believe they've got a disease. Yes. Yeah. When really if they understood what's happening with their hormones, I, I know, I know from talking about it that they just go, oh, is that all? Yeah. yeah. It's not a thing, 
that we have to worry about. It's just something that we need to notice and that we can move with and that we need to move with subtly as much as it is subtly working with us. Yeah. 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 And I think like the teenage years, you know, when we're teenagers, we've kind of got, well, not all of us have this, you know, we often have the support of our parents or, you know, broader family system, or I don't know if we're in like, I don't know if people do scouts or brownies and stuff like that anymore, but we have community around us. But the thing is in Perry is that, you know, I think when we're going through big transitions, we need community around us to support us. Yeah. Okay. And often at this time we don't. And because this is, there's this collective denial, my observation is a lot of people don't want to talk about it. No, it's taboo. I've got a couple of girlfriends that deny they're in perimenopause. It makes me giggle. Yeah. I can reel off signs and symptoms. Yep, 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 yep. Well, that's a, they're perimenopausal signs. It's not a big deal. No, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> that's the conversation. And I think, why are you pretending? And are they pretending because they don't want to move forward? They, they really just love being in this space of go, 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 work, work, work. That's my life. I don't want to change it. Yeah. Is it, is it too much? to change is it too much to work with where I know from talking to you the easiest way to move through menopause is to just be with it be with it just be with it and that and that is as simple as oh yeah feeling a bit hot right now take your jacket off yeah well I wear layers yeah just well it's if we live in Melbourne you have to wear layers anyway but but um yeah and like I say to people around hot flushes couple of things well it's the same energy as an orgasm or a labor but a contraction right it's that kundalini energy how cool is that it's pretty awesome i think it's awesome um and so if i get a bit hot i just have a bit of a giggle just take off you know whatever because you're thinking orgasm the entire time exactly (laughs) how cool am i you're amazing buddy and then and then i'm like the other thing though because you know when i i of course, being the nerd that I am, I kind of observe my body very closely, like what's going on in my nervous system, blah, 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 blah. I really get into it when I'm getting, because I don't actually have a sweaty hot flash. I just get hot. The warmth, yeah. yeah, I just get really hot. I'll be lying in bed at three o'clock in the morning and go, oh my God, I'm really hot. And, you know, kind of kick my feet out. Um, and, it, and actually, which is a good strategy because if you don't know your vessels in your feet, there's a lot of vessels down there and that's how we can cool our body through our feet. And also sort of behind our wrists here is a really good spot and you can just kind of whack your wrists under cold water really quickly or splash some water on your face and that often in, works to in cool saying you down. That, Kelly, the feet, the kidney meridian actually starts in the feet and kidney the kidney one, is yeah. what responsible for our gene, yeah? We yeah. support our kidney chi, then we've got a great strong foundation. So cool the kidneys down. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I say, okay, so one, what I've noticed is when you get, there's a bit of sympathetic charge in the nervous system. So you want to bring yourself back into parasympathetic. So yep. breathe. Breathe, breathe, say, yeah. breathe. And, and so if you, you know, if it's at night, it's a bit different during the day. If you're in a meeting or something, just pull your jacket off. Take a few really big breaths. Yep. Focus on your heart when you're breathing, like focus on breath moving. I always say to everyone, imagine you've got a really like use your your mind's eye to imagine the breath moving in and out of your heart and why is the heart because I believe 
just through practice and of course I've had teachers teach me this when we focus on our heart it brings us into presence so sort of when we're in our throat you know those upper chakras we're a bit about the future and when we're below the heart we're a bit about the past but when we're on the heart we're like right right here right now yeah so breathe into the heart and just focus on your heart feed out cool them down have a bit of a laugh right and often what people find is that they sort of start to dissipate because your nervous system will feel unsafe when it doesn't know what's going on and will try and control it and it will trigger further yeah. Okay. And then it becomes so, a habit then, doesn't it? Each time you're thinking, I'm friggin' warm, I'm going to lose myself here. And yeah. then you fall into the same space. And you get stressed and you produce more cortisol. And, yeah. and do you want to tell people about cortisol? Because cortisol, well, I'll just say, and then you can go into it. But here's the thing, cortisol, you can't produce sex hormones when you're producing stress hormones, right? right. They have this inverse relationship. Yeah. We want to produce the sex hormones. So yeah. at any stage in our life, stress is not good, but at perimenopause time, Stress is not your friend. No, stress is our yang hormone and yeah. it will overtake the um, the sex hormones and it'll it'll actually take from them, which is why women lose libidos. If they're, if yes. they're constantly in a fight and flight, why would you want to go and fuck? You don't, do you? Yeah. No. So it makes absolute sense. You know, that idea of breathing into the heart brings me back into Chinese medicine, of course, that when we're moving into perimenopause and say if periods are starting to diminish or slow down or moving into more of a, um, a longer phase, um, the blood is no longer nourishing the reproductive system. It actually moves to the heart. Ah. And the spirit, yeah. So it's actually... It's a twofold, if that makes sense. So using that sense of moving into heart is uh, it's soothing and nourishing in many different ways. It's not mm-hmm. just about lowering that that nervous system. It's very much about moving with that motion of I know exactly what's happening here. That shift in hormones is just telling me that my heart's more significant than my reproductive system. Oh, I love that. I know it's very beautiful the way that Chinese medicine can bring all this together. And and look. What I love even more, Chinese medicine has been around for thousands of years. They already knew this. It's science that is actually confirming all of these things. So it's such a beautiful way to meld together a a story. You know, whoever wrote this stuff has written it very poetically. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. (laughs) Lucky I was advising them on the right thing. Anyway, (laughs) but it works for me every time. Works for me every time. If I breathe into my heart, I go back to sleep. Within two minutes, I'm relaxed. Breath, as we know, Kelly, is the only uh, concept that we can do on our own, doesn't take an effort, that can instantly bring a nervous system back into space. And Mm. I see that consistently. My eight-year-old is awesome at breath and that she's a kid that goes from zero to 100 in seconds it's a very fascinating thing to watch can be very fiery but can also bring herself back into her tiny little eight-year-old body Mm. by using breath that to me screams a lot and if a kid can do that I think adults if they could just be in themselves they can see this is actually not a big deal yeah it's totally not a big deal and I think you know yes there's going to be big emotions because there are hormonal changes and hormonal changes impact our emotions. They just do because they have a job like progesterone is a calming hormone. So when that starts to play, that's going to have an impact. Estrogen is a hormone of accommodation and soothing. So when that depletes, that's going to have an impact. Is it a bad thing? No, it's a good thing. Also this time in our life is 
a call into in an inner call, go inward into your inner world. Okay. And that's a bit scary for some people. Yeah. I think also, you know, people can have old trauma come up for resolution because our body is so incredibly intelligent in what it can, in just its capacity to heal. It's just phenomenal. Mm. And it's saying to you, hey, got to sort this stuff out. But, of course, trauma is really scary and hard to deal with. But there are so many great modalities out there now, like sensory motor psychotherapy and somatic experiencing, EMDR, that are just fantastic for Mm. dealing with all of this. So the way that I always say for everyone to look at it is to say, look, you're the CEO of your body, right? So you can, you can ha- go to the doctor, you can go to the naturopath, you can go to your osteo, you can go to the sem- Like, what do you need? Because every menopausal woman's journey is unique. And I think that's the thing that's really challenging, okay? Because people want a Band-Aid and a pill. Quick fix. Yep. yep. There is no quick fix. It's about you really learning to listen to yourself because this whole stage is learning how to set yourself up well yeah. have a great second half of life yeah so back to the, the the golden opportunity gateway like it, we must really go in deep right and we must listen to the physical symptoms because our body is yelling at us isn't she constantly this this stage of perimenopause is it's really understanding that we're moving away from caring for others and that is not just about it's not just about children it's about family members it's about work it's those things that actually are significant but also moving to caring for self so there's a lot of reflection and a lot of refinement that has to happen in that time because what isn't working for you now you need to abandon it in order to have that second spring yeah Mm. we all know life can be done better um so we need to expand upon how do we do that what's serving me now what am i getting out of this you know the the um the perimenopausal years are based on the five elements the metal stage yes and metal is about um changing things looking at what works um removing what doesn't work yeah the the phase before that is earth that's the childbearing um years and that's nurturing looking after others yeah really digging down into the earth and nourishing and nurturing now we come out of that yeah it's a very big growth stage as you can see if you plant a seed it has to germinate and that's what's happening happening in the middle phase yeah we're allowing things to begin to uh move forward and start to change and you know we can't do that if we're hanging on to the old stuff yeah that's where you get yeah, down. that's, that's really get true that's where you get your sleep disturbance that's where all those hormonal things happen because your body's actually just saying what are you fucking doing yeah yeah no it needs it needs a lot of rest and a lot of time and yeah you've just got to go a bit more slowly and I don't know I, I think surrender is probably the word. I was talking to a friend of mine last week. Uh, she was helping me with some work stuff and we're the same age and we're going through similar stuff and she's a very intelligent, reflective woman and she said to me, God, it's really interesting, you know, and I said, look, you know, it's a hard, um, we're talking about anxiety and, and I had sort of taught her some somatic practices that she could do to help with that and she said, it's so fascinating how 
these stages of life and how they're like two bookends from sort of the teenage years being the spring and then this, you know, this is a bookend again. And I said, well, that's why we move into second spring. Mm. And she said, yeah, it's it's poet. You know, she's a writer and a journalist. And so she's like, it's so poetic really, isn't it? And I said, it is. Like it's actually incredible when you look at it that way and that, yeah, okay, this is the end of one part of the story and, and, and we're about to write part two of the book, right, or the second book. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, it's amazing. And so I guess what you and I want everyone to walk away with today is to say that, like, this is just the beginning of yeah. so many good times, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really picking up on how do I prep for the future and if I can sit back and go, what's working for me and what isn't, then you set yourself up. It's like creating a little business plan for your life. Mm. We, we really need to take time to do it and recognise, you know, what are our expectations of that next part of life. And for me, I absolutely want quality of life. That's yeah. that it quality that's it I want to be mobile to be active I want to be uh, coherent (laughs) I want to just be alive and aware and to do that you actually have to put the work in now like anything there's always preparation that needs to be done things don't just happen and that's what I guess is that the lifestyle we lead we we want we can make things happen now yeah so there's a lot of different ways of going about it and I think you know it's it's what the symptoms sort of tell you right so like (laughs) I said everyone's journey is unique okay Mm. so whatever you know I would say whatever arises is relevant so you know what do you need to listen to and that's why when I'm working with people I try and take this sort of really multiple perspective approach because everything's interconnected and yeah that give them different lenses to work through so that they can reflect and go okay this is possibly a lever for me and how do I go down and explore more there or what's going on here but you know I think empowering women is through information but also changing the narrative and uh, the mindset around these you know what this is and that actually acknowledging I am in a female body right and I am living in a world that treats me like I'm living in a male body and yeah. I'm not, and maybe that's why I'm not feeling so flush. Yeah, I'm not connected. Hmm. Is the um just going back on the the elements? So is teenage years fire or what's that? Yes, fire. Fire. So when when a cycle starts, it's it's fire. Yeah, puberty. Uh, it's fourteen to twenty. So the one before that. Yeah, it's fire. Um, yeah, summer fire and then earth and then metal and then what's after metal? So, oh, we're moving into metal now. We're in well, the cycle of perimenopause is metal, is yeah. metal, and then we move into into water, water, yeah, okay, yeah. So, and water is that you know, that wise woman uh stage that you know, that menopause, second spring, you know, yeah. yeah. It's, it's the you know when yin reaches its peak type thing the like the um the new moon as an example so it's um it's an interesting one i think it's it's 
inspiring to think that we can follow seasons, we can follow moons, we can, you know, we can make life a rhythm that um, really we don't need anything else. If we can just take note and stock of what we do internally, then we just look at the sky outside. Yep, it's summer. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then check in inside and go inward and say, "Well, you know, what what do I need right now?" And I think that's probably the biggest one, Kelly. What do I need? Because it's not a one size fits all, and it's a bit like going to a Western doctor and going, "Well, I've got these symptoms. Well, here's this drug because that's what everybody takes for diabetes." Yeah. yeah. Um, for Chinese medicine, it's it's very much, well, there's your signs and symptoms and this is your diagnosis, but it's a different, you know, you could have five different diagnoses. Yeah. Um, same in this scenario, each person is unique and, you know, figuring out what is it that's significant and what you can do with that is, is huge. Yeah. Yeah, and I think if you, you know, how do you learn to love your body? Okay, and part, a big part of it for me is appreciating that you're a cyclical being and then uh, devotion to that, okay? So devotion is what you and I have been talking about, right? Well, what is the answer to this? Well, it's devotion to, okay, I'm a cyclical being. How do I learn to listen to my body? Like, uh, Or I'm going to acknowledge that and I'm going to listen and I'm going to go through each phase. So it's it's okay for women when they're still bleeding and they've got periods because they can kind of follow their cycle through that but then when you go through and you're postmenopausal or actually when you're breastfeeding you know many women don't have periods and they say to me well how do I do that and I'm like well follow the moon yeah because we align to the moon so when when it's the full moon we're ovulating and when it's the new moon we're bleeding right and so when it's the full moon yeah you probably feel quite energetic but then when it's the new moon we'll just have some quiet time for a few days and that you can align your life to your cycle or to the moon whatever is appropriate given what's going on for you and it's a great way of living because you're building in that devotion to your body well, it's a routine or it's a it's nearly even a I guess you could call it a ritual it's a ritual um, it's the and, spiritual practice mm-hmm. of you know okay I'm going to follow this for me yep very significant it's it's um a way of really getting in touch with self and that's probably the biggest component isn't it that yeah we're missing a lot of being able to take responsibility responsibility for self because we're not tapping in mm. Mm. I reckon that might be a good place to finish today. What do you think? Yeah. yeah. Thanks so much. So, um, Nicole, what is your Instagram? It's Dr. Nick Pauling. Dr. Nick Pauling. Yes. So that's how people can find you. They can get me on that quite easily. Yeah. Okay. Or you can come to me and I'll forward you on to her if you want to have a chat to her. Thank you so much. That was a good Good conversation today and super interesting. Mm, could go on forever, couldn't we? <laughs> yeah. No. We've got what the world's problems to solve. <laughs> One woman at a time. You bet. <laughs> Thank you, Kelly. Thank you.